0: This is the Verisimus Real Estate Show. I'm Dom Marshall at Connect with Dom across all social platforms. So give me a follow there. Enjoy the good, the bad, and the funny stories from top real estate agents, small to large investors, wholesalers and flippers too, from across the nation. We'll get into personal and Verisimus real estate stories. Verisimus means real. We're gonna get into the real stories to inspire you to learn and to laugh a lot. The goal of this show is to provide value and give you successful and replicable strategies to help grow your business and the potholes to avoid too. We're gonna cover marketing channels, personal branding, sphere building, investing, agent attraction, talent acquisition, new technologies and automations, sales tips, and much, much more. So do one thing for me, please. If you get any value, any little nugget from this show today, please like, comment and subscribe and let me know your thoughts. we put a lot of work into this, so please like, comment and subscribe. And without further ado, let's get into the show.
1: So we have Edward Slavis on the show today with the Slavis Group, top 100 agent in the DMV and a Marine. So nobody knows Ed better than Ed. So go ahead and introduce yourself, Ed.
2: No, thank you very much for having me, Dominic. I'm a former Marine. Uh, They say once Marine, always Marine, but I... uh... Uh, cannot cannot still fit in my uniform, uh, unfortunately. But no, my name is Edward Slavis. I am a real estate agent in D.C., Maryland, Virginia. I am also the team leader of the Slavis Group of EXP Realty. Been doing real estate now for just over eight years. Uh, it's kind of a, a a second career for me, and uh, no, I love it. Very very happy with uh, with where I am and and how I got here, and uh, you know what the future holds.
1: Good. I didn't want to say ex marine so I know that saying once a Marine, always a Marine. So, I want, so I it's, to be it's that funny
2: because people will go and be like, I'm not an ex Marine. I'm a former Marine. It's like, what's the difference? Like, it's we're playing semantics with this. Uh, you'll hear many people say, you're never an ex Marine. Uh, I, I don't correct people. I, I know what they mean when um, they say, when I, when I was a younger lad, I served in the Corps. Oh, so okay. that, is, that is true. Many, many moons ago. Great.
1: So the first question I have for you is the softball question. I'll what, take it. what got you into real estate?
2: So that actually takes me back to my my days in the Corps. I was a lieutenant uh, stationed in 29 Palms, California, which sounds nice. It sounds exotic. It's not. It's a little desert town in the Mojave Desert. And we were given, I think it was $1,000 a month for you know housing allowance as an officer. And we'd rent these houses for about $1,000 a month and split them three ways. And you just pocket the difference. And so the person with the master bedroom would pay four hundred. Everyone else would pay three hundred. You know, you'd carve it up that way. And after deployment, I was thinking, what, how much would it cost to just buy one of these? And I walked into the first, you know, realty office I saw and spoke to the first agent at the at the first desk, and said, I want to buy a house. And she showed me. I I guess first I called my my credit union, the only bank that I used, and said I want to apply for a mortgage, and they they approved me for one. And I walked into the very first office. And the first person I spoke to said, I want to live, I want to buy a house. And I think she showed me three houses and I bought one. And all of this happened in a period of like, I don't know, six hours. I mean, it was very, very fast. But I remember thinking my mortgage payment for this house would be about $700. So I could go and and for the same cost of renting, I could buy. Mm-hmm. I really put no thought into this whatsoever. And I mean, this was a three bed, two and a half bath, two car attached garage. Quarter acre, corner lot, above ground pool, $96,000, which gives you an idea of, of the demand for housing in in, the, in 29 Palms. And I ran out to a few friends and probably a month or so later, I was visiting some four fellow Marines who were in a different unit who lived in San Clemente, California, which is a beautiful, very sought after beach town. And they had a three bedroom condo they were renting for probably $4,000 a month, You know, all of their housing allowance. And I just lucked out and in the hallway. I bumped into their landlord, a gentleman named Barry Burnett. And Barry was a super nice man and just kind of started chatting with me. And he looked at me and said, you must be a Marine. You're here to visit these guys. And I said, yes. And we started chatting. And I said, what do you do? And he said, I'm a real estate broker in Burbank. And I was so excited to tell someone I bought this house. And uh, I kind of told him about it. He said, congratulations. You know, What are your plans for it? And I said, well, I'll hold on to it as a rental property once I leave. And if I ever need the money, I'll sell it. And he said, well, why don't you just do a, a you know, home equity line of credit or a cash out refi? And I was like, I have no idea what a home equity line is. I have no idea what a cash out refi, what are you talking about? And again, I put zero thought into this purchase. I put more thought into what I was going to wear today for this Zoom than I did into this purchase. Okay. Right. And I just, there was something about him. I was like, tell me what I should learn. He, t- he, t- he spoke briefly about what it was like to be a broker and kind of how he ended up there. It was this really meaningful conversation we had in the hallway. And I said, is there a book I can read or something? And he recommended a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad and said, it's the best book you ever read. Here's my card. If you ever want to talk about it, give me a call. So I went home that weekend. I devoured the book and called him uh, in his office and took my phone call. And he you know, just really started a conversation uh, about real estate. And my interest just kind of exploded from there. And everywhere I lived, When I got the Marine Corps, I would moved overseas. I've lived in, I don't know, six or seven different countries, uh, probably six or seven different states. And everywhere I went, I would always go and want to look at real estate. So I was living in Italy and I'm thinking, can I buy the condo across the the hallway? Would I be able to rent it? What are the taxes? I was living in Colombia. This would have been probably 2009. And at the time, the hotel lobby was pushing this uh, anti-Airbnb law uh, I don't think it actually was Airbnb, but an anti-short-term rental law, yeah. uh, trying to push it through the legislature. And I was following it because I had this idea. I was going to buy this condo there. I, I actually met with a property manager. And everywhere I went, it was just always looking at real estate investments. And it was funny because I was broke as a joke. I had no money to afford any of this, but that, that was what my interest was. Mm-hmm. And after a while, all of my friends knew I was interested in real estate. Uh, when I finished graduate school, I bought a house the, here in DC. The following year, I bought another house. And more and more, I started having friends ask me, you know, do you know a good agents? Do you know, you know, will you come come with me to my home inspection as if I know anything at all about how homes are built? They'd ask me finance questions. And I'm completely unqualified to answer any of these, mind you. So I would just refer the business out to somebody else. And eventually, I said, let me go and get monetized. Well, let me go and get licensed to monetize this hobby. And I could maybe sell a house or two a year to a friend or family. And maybe I buy an investment property for myself. And then that, that would fund my Roth IRA that would pay for my annual vacation. And that was the plan. Mm-hmm. And when I got licensed, I had sent this rambling, awful email out to, I think, you know, in Gmail, select all compose. Right, right. And I mean, everybody got it like uh, and said, hey, I'm a real estate agent. And I had a number of people that just replied and said, awesome, like, good luck. Uh, you'll, you'll do well. And that was encouraging. And then several people actually applied and said, hey, good timing. You know, my wife and I are thinking about buying or I'm thinking about selling. And the business just kind of took off. And at the time, I was actually working full-time at the Navy Yard and didn't own a car. And my boss knew I was licensed, knew I was getting licensed. And what I would do is, as long as my schedule allowed it, if you wanted to look at houses, I would actually leave the Navy Yard, Uber to show you a house, Uber to the second house. If you want to put in an offer, I would Uber to a Starbucks, put in the offer. Yeah. And then go back to the office and work until maybe six to try and make up the hours. The following morning, I get in the office at 6 a.m. trying to make up the hours. Again, my boss knew I was doing this. It was no no surprise. And after several months of that, I thought, who am I kidding? Like, this is actually something I'm passionate about. Right. And I wasn't about my day job. And so I put in two weeks notice and told him I was doing real estate full time. I never looked back. And the, other than joining the core, it was the best, uh, best professional decision I've ever made by far.
1: There's a couple of things there to unpack. One is you just kind of, and a lot of people just have a innate internal love for real estate in general. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's just natural. Rich dad, poor dad is also a good driver for that too. I think a lot Absolutely. of people read that and fall into real estate. Um, how important is it then for an agent, a newer agent or someone getting started and making that transition? Should they take the dive and jump in, or should they slowly transition so they can naturally replace their income? Because you get a lot of people, right, that dive in headfirst, realize Mm -hmm. it might take three, four, five, six, even 12 months to start getting deals. Mm -hmm. So what would your advice for, say, newer agents?
2: I think a lot of it depends upon your financing. So if you have no savings in the bank, it's hard to go and leave a W-2 job, even if you're making good income or or even if you're not making good income. So, I mean, it's not like a dream job. It's hard to leave that security and dive headfirst when you have no savings. Because on, on month one, you will just be ringing up the credit card debt. Right. So that does take a, a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. The comment you made about it may take three, six, 12 months. We unfortunately tell new agents, hey, the average agent does a deal you know, until their six month mark. I don't even know if that's true. I don't know where that comes from. But if that's the mindset you have going in, you actually, I think it'll work less hard during those six months because you're like, oh, this is completely normal to be two months in and not have a deal. I had my first deal done the first we can talk about it later, but I had my first deal done the first two weeks, and I had six in my first six months part-time. So I think part of it, you know, came uh, came quickly to me, but also I, I didn't have that knowledge. I didn't have that mindset of, hey, you know, your first six months are gonna be barren in terms of of the transactions. So Overall, to answer your question, though, I think it's hard to do well part-time. Yeah. It, there, it is so involved in terms of the different facets of it, the, the the kind of hard and soft skills you need, what you need to learn about the market, about how to deal with clients, about how to negotiate, all the different pieces of the, uh, of the business. It's very, very hard to do part-time. You're trying to ride a bicycle slowly. And it's much more easier when you get up to speed and you're, you're increasing speed on that bicycle, same thing in your business. It's like learning a language, complete immersion, you're going to learn much, much faster. Yeah. So if at all possible, if you have right. the means of jumping in headfirst, I would say do it. But beforehand, I would say have a plan, you know, research how you're going to run your business, research perhaps what team you join, what resources available to ensure your success and, and really commit to it yeah i think i would say just go for it yeah one of the key also one more thing also be be reasonable about your your strengths and weaknesses i think a lot of people will get into real estate for bad reasons one of them is perhaps they purchased a house and it was a very smooth easy transaction and they thought geez my agent just got fifteen thousand dollars and really didn't do anything Mm-hmm. The agent probably didn't get 15000 Maybe the commission was only 13000 They split it with their broker and they had marketing costs, et cetera. So there's that piece that, that many don't understand. But also, this is an umbrella business. So you don't get paid on the easy ones. You get paid on the hard ones. And not every transaction is going to be easy. In fact, you should go in each transaction and think it's going to be more difficult, more time-consuming. Right. And then if you have a layup, great. Right. Uh, but you have to have that mindset. And the second thing also is people, The big I'm a people person. Being a people person is not even necessary; it's also wholly insufficient. So I know plenty of real estate agents. I'd actually probably consider myself a little bit in this category as not being a people person. My favorite thing to do is to curl up with a book by myself. Uh, there's a big difference between being a people person and being the life of the party versus saying this is the person I want to represent me on what is one of the most important financial decisions I make. And so just. Uh, you might say I'm I'm an outgoing person. Someone's always like, "Oh, you you're such such a, a wonderful personality," whatever. You should be in sales.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Sales is a lot more involved than just being a smooth talker. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think if you, as long as you are honest about your strengths, strengths, and weaknesses, your your um, your mindset is right. You're dedicated and committed. Then dive right in.
1: Yeah, sales is definitely a learnable skill if you commit yourself to it. Um, I think one key point. Yeah, so, had- so
2: I have to I have to uh, point this out. I have a collection of coffee mugs, and I probably have fifty of them everywhere I've traveled. Just random stuff. And if you come to my house, we actually my wife and I will actually use them in order. So you take from the left and put them on the right, and we kind of cycle through them. So whenever you come over, you get a different coffee mug. Mine today happens to be the Slavis Group. A little shameless, uh, shameless. Plug I, love I love it.
1: Any, um, any I need one of those.
2: Yeah, but the one my wife had this morning was Bluth's Frozen Banana uh, from Arrested Development. So I love it. I love that it. Made, that, I, that may have I been a, a better mug for this, but this is not, this is random, not completely shameless.
1: That's Jason Bateman, right? I, I love Jason Bateman, yeah. but I haven't seen that. I need to see that. Um, Brilliant think, show, timeless. I think one, one of the key takeaways that I took from that, there was a lot in there to unpack was, and I think I'll have to check this, but I think it's Murphy's Law, which is if you don't set a deadline, or targets like a time to hit targets the further out you put it the less likely you are to achieve it so if you actually put yourself on a reasonable time crunch the chances of achieving that are a lot higher right i think think what you were saying is if you come in expecting the six month quote unquote six months to get your first deal you're probably not going to work as hard to make that happen you get to the fifth month and actually you did all the work in one month
2: right I, I that's not murphy's law i'm not sure what law it is but that's okay. that's exact, exactly what i was trying to say yeah where if you go in there and say okay you won't see results for 5 months you you may subconsciously work less hard during the first 4 months because well i i shouldn't expect to see any results start with the expectation that you should have something under contract in the first month yeah that you should have your buyer first buyer presentation in in week 2 your your first uh equity review with a homeowner who's not a client because you have no past clients in week three. Start with very, very high expectations. And this is not, you know, I'm on a diet, I'm expecting to lose 50 pounds in my first week or something that's absolutely insane. Right. It has to be a reasonable goal. But I think what's reasonable is much, much more, is much higher than what people give give credit for. And again, if you start with the mindset of, hey, your first six months are going to be barren. I almost guarantee you they'll be barren. Well, that's a good
1: segue because my next question is, how did you get your first deal? And then let's circle that and wrap that back in. How long did it take you to get your first deal? Our transaction,
2: buyer, seller. So the first was a, a buyer. It was someone who responded to my initial uh, aforementioned rambling email and said, hey, your timing's perfect. I'm actually thinking about buying. And he identified the condo. I, Most of your your watchers, your, your viewers and listeners would know this. Uh, Century lock is the card you use to get into lockboxes. Sometimes it's a combination, sometimes it's it's a, a lockbox. I didn't even have my Century lock card. So I didn't have no idea how to show this thing. I have no idea how to schedule it. I just gotten licensed, wet behind the ears, fired off this email. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, I have this client. And I kind of fumbled through the showing. I had no idea what he was doing. I didn't know where the lockbox was. Fortunately, he knew I was brand new in real estate and he was a friend of mine from graduate school. So there was a bit of, of uh, lenience there. I had a, he extended me considerable grace on, on figuring this out and showed it. And he basically said, I I'll take it. There was a little bit of research I had to do for him, but at the time I didn't know the skill of, I don't like saying overcoming objections, but saying clarifying uh, questions for a buyer. And so I just it, I lucked out and that he was seventy five percent there, and I was able to answer a couple of questions for him, got him hundred percent there.
1: Can you give an example of a, that he, what's that can you give an example of a clarifying question
2: Oh the, um, the person may um oh geez they 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 think parking is absolute requirement. They want a garage spot. Does it have to be a garage spot or is a uncovered parking spot fine? Or does it have to be a parking spot you own? Perhaps there's one in the building that you can rent. So let's go and look and see. Um, you know, maybe there's always a, a uh you know, one or two spots available for rent, or with frequency, there's a spot available for you know for longer-term rent. Or maybe street parking isn't that bad, mm-hmm. right? Where in Georgetown, street parking is a disaster, in Brightwood, it's easy. So maybe in that particular neighborhood, you know, street parking really isn't that bad. Or maybe there's a spot nearby you can rent, maybe perhaps in a parking garage, or let's look on Craigslist and find a, you know, a, a homeowner a few blocks down that has a parking spot.
1: So is it kind or of... Or let's
2: go and talk to a homeowner in the area and just say, excuse me, sir, I you know, I, I see you getting in your car here. This is my client thinking about buying this property. How have you found street parking?
1: Yeah, this is actually a really important topic because the way I'm seeing it is the criteria that you're... Um, buyer or seller is given you is not absolutely binary unless they have a hard stop on something particular. Right. so right. by asking a quest the quality of your questions determines the quality of your answers so if you're asking this clarifying question you can kind of see what leeway they have by uncovering that answer you can now solve the problem you know what the problem is you know the you know tier of what's allowable mm-hmm. and now you can solve that problem within those tiers Right. So you're giving yourself more opportunity to actually get a deal done. Then, you know, I have to hit all these targets.
2: Mm-hmm. How, how you want a third bedroom. What do you want it for? Why do you want it? That's the feature. What's the benefit to you? And it could be a guest room. How often are you going to have guests come once a year? OK, do they actually need a guest room? Right. But once a year, can you put them in a hotel nearby or a sofa bed or a Murphy bed? Or maybe you want it for an office okay how many of us have home offices and just work in the kitchen table anyway work at the kitchen table isn't there's not a right or wrong answer it's just like you need to be honest with yourself why do you want this space is this a want or this is a need and the more you 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 rehearse this the more you experience this the more you learn this the easier it is just to clarify these things and you may conclude nope you know what got it three bedrooms yeah. and i have in two bedrooms in a den we want true three true bedrooms and then that limits the search and it makes it easier for you as an agent to service that buyer because you've eliminated a you know there are fewer properties to consider and all the properties at least along that criteria could be a a real property for you know real contender for that buyer so I didn't have any of that knowledge Uh, that's something that is a skill that you you will always refine as you encourage as you encounter new objections, new questions. And again, I don't, I don't like the term overcoming objections, although I think I just used it twice. It's much more like clarifying for them because I'm not persuading them something they don't believe. I am just clarifying, be honest with yourself. Why is this feature important? What benefit does it give you? Yeah. Again, I didn't have that. So the at the time, the buyer says, once put an offer, I don't remember how exactly I ran comps. Now, I have a undergraduate degree in engineering. I have a master's degree in, in economics. So I'm very comfortable with numbers. I'm very comfortable with spreadsheets. So I'm sure I did something. We agreed upon a price, submitted it, and negotiated. And they said, uh, congrats. Actually, actually, no, I had to back up one step. It just so happens, and this is the life of a realtor, where he wants to put in an offer. I'm about, about to get on a plane to a friend's wedding in Illinois. And I called the, I had started on a team and I called the operations manager. I'm not sure what her title was and said, I got a problem. I need to submit an offer. The team had offered like a camp training, which I was not able to attend. Cause again, I was full-time. So I was able to attend of the 10 days, maybe two and a half days of the training and it did not cover how to write a contract. I don't know if I had zip forms. I don't know if I had DocuSign or which of these software programs you use to write and then electronically sign these, these documents. And I remember calling her and saying, good news. I'm client wants to put an offer. She's like, great. I said, the bad news is I'm about to get on a plane. What should I do? And I remember her saying, okay, normally I never want to miss the opportunity to train. However, just send me the info and I'll write it up. And so I forward her the information. The client's name. If I recall, I had, you know, I'm, I'm at the airport. She forwards it back and say, just, you know, click forward on this and send it to listing agent. And I did that. And when I landed in Chicago, we had the offer accepted. So I went to the friend's wedding feeling like a King, like just, just had the first deal. ratified.
1: <laughs> Real estate. Just,
2: that that deal did actually uh, settle. And that's, so that was my first commission, but we were at the, uh, um, we were at the wedding as my then girlfriend and I, we we're at the wedding and we we're kind of celebrating. And I was like, "Next round on me." And uh, another thing for new agents, or at least uh, experienced agents, know this: is you never settle you, n- you never celebrate until at the settlement table. You can pop the champagne then, but not uh, never before because because things can happen. Fortunately, with that transaction, it went through uh, quite um, quite seamlessly. But actually, the listing agent on that transaction, who will not be named, he's still an agent here in DC. Uh, he was so difficult to work with. And I this, this is an N of one. I've never done this before. So he was so difficult to work with. I talked to the title company and he basically told me he's like I have no idea what I'm doing, which is not incorrect. But I talked to the title company, he said the same thing to them. Yeah. And he got into an argument with a lender who, again, my understanding was he was a very experienced lender. I since know that he was, by the time I just was kind of going on faith that he knew what he was doing. And he basically said the same thing to the lender. I was like, this guy is such a jerk. If this is what real estate is, uh, I don't know if I want to do this full time. I, I This is not for me. Unfortunately, the next transaction was much smoother. And after a while, you learn to just kind of put all the good experiences in with the bad or all the easy transactions in with the difficult ones. And hopefully the, the, uh, the soup that uh, is created is is palatable, and for me, it's it's been been absolutely wonderful. But that first one was a very, uh, I was fortunate because it was easy to to arrange, but then it was also you know very stressful going through it because again, I didn't know what I was doing, and, and the person who I was working with, I thought it like was making it uh, especially difficult.
1: Well, there's a couple of things. There. Usually, it's, if if the first transaction is way too easy and not the norm, you kind of expect that for your next transaction and moving forward. So right. I would I would even say a very difficult transaction as your first transaction will propel you forward quicker than something that's just quick, easy, and smooth.
2: Perhaps, mm-hmm.
1: perhaps the second thing is, and this goes for a lot of salespeople in general, is spending the commission check before they actually have the commission.
2: Yeah,
1: and then also, and we're not going to really get into it too much, maybe later in this, but using that money and now becoming you kind of started backwards because a lot of real estate agents get into real estate, selling real estate and never actually buy real estate or oh, they right. have a primary and they're not investing. You kind of went the other approach and then fell into, um, you know, seeing targets of opportunity and then taking them and getting licensed. Um, but taking that cash that you're generating, obviously being prudent with that, with your living expenses, but then having something to invest back into real estate. I'm a proponent of, investing in real estate not so much stocks and other things but right same i, I would definitely encourage that as well is is mm-hmm. taking that earned income turning it into more passive types of income too so right, that's, 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 that's that's rich
2: dad poor dad sure
1: yeah exactly um so from that first transaction to where you are now what's the blueprint and it's probably changed over time but what's the blueprint that you've put together to go from that first deal to where you are now top 100 agent in the dmv
2: so there were kind of two phases to it. That's probably more, more than two phases. The I've thought of a lot about this you know, since the market shift of last year. I spent the first several years of my business working in my business. And if you listen to enough real estate coaching or enough real estate instruction, they will go and tell you there's a difference between working in your business versus working on your business. And for the first six or so years, I just worked in my business. It was, how do I get clients How do I convert them? You know, what presentation do you do? What value can you add? What's the best way to show houses? Best way to evaluate prices, clarify uh, any questions that they have, how to write a compelling offer, how to negotiate the the terms, how to oversee the transaction, basically the entire life cycle of of the the buyer or uh, conversely of the seller. And I spent a lot of time looking at how do I do that well? And this comes from the, I think the Marine in me, where they really teach you a lot about planning and breaking things into components. Like if you can teach advanced machine gunnery to Lance corporals, you can break down a real estate transaction and figure out what is the task? What is the condition? What is the standard for each piece? How do you make them more seamless? A lot of, um, that was a lot of my energy. And I, I, but to say that was all me, 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 there was there was no team, there was no slavish group. So I became, I think, a very productive solo agent. And I hadn't put any thought into what the next phase was. I did eventually go and hire an assistant. And that was a game changer for me because I had these systems in place. Now it's how quickly can I go and teach him to take that off my plate? Uh, You know, there's the automate, delegate and eliminate. I had automated a lot of things. The question was now, how much can I delegate to free stuff up? And each year, my sales just increased year after year after year. And in 2020, I had an absolute record year. During that time, a a friend of mine uh, came and said she was a licensee, but she wasn't an agent, which is to say she got licensed, but never really hung her license, never really did much with it. And she wanted a career change. She said, hey, can I join your team? And I said, yes. And then later in 2020, a friend of a friend, a friend of a, of a client, actually, who wanted want to get in real estate. And the client said, Hey, talk to Slavis. So I met with him and I said, Hey, look, I happy to you know, have you on the team. And we can grow from there. And that was, was great because my sales continued. And I thought this is now I have someone else that I can kind of share these systems with. And in the business is changing. I didn't ever, try to recruit somebody. And I actually have posted on Instagram and on, on Facebook, a, you know, we're hiring type ad, never gotten a serious inquiry from it, believe it or not. All the folks that joined were, you know, friends or, or were friends or friends or referred to me. So that was very rewarding to, for someone on the outside to look and say, Hey, I want to be a part of, of what you have.
0: Right.
2: The transition kind of started in 2021. And then of course we had a market shift in 2022, where the, the market slowed considerably, but it was a very good time for me to go and look and say, what is the next phase for the Slavis group? Do I continue with, with, you know, trying to grow my personal sales every year or do I get out of production? Do I stay on the listing side, not the buyer side? That's been very, very, uh, I want to say enjoyable to mm-hmm. go and, and almost take a step back and look on my business as a consultant and say, what should Slavis do to... Uh, to grow. And during that time, in, I guess it was 2021, March 1st, 2021, I also switched brokerages from one that I had helped found to uh, eXp Realty. And that was the second best decision I ever made besides getting into real estate. Uh, eXp, I think, it's we can talk about this later, I think it's the model of the future. It is, I think, the best brokerage, you know, for for many people, myself included. One of the benefits of it is you have the ability to recruit to the company and earn passive income through revenue share, and allows you in a way to create a business within a business without the capital risk, without the, the broker liability. So that's also been a fun component of the business planning of saying how much time do I devote towards my own production? How much time do I devote towards the management of my team, towards their development? How do I, how much time do I devote towards recruiting and building this passive income organization? Correct. And then within those three systems, there's still that business perspective of what can I automate? What can I delegate and what can I eliminate? And so it's just been very fun to put all those pieces together to figure out, you know, what, what do I want to do in, in 10 years? Do I still want to be working, you know, crazy hours, which is what I was doing as just a solo agent, you know, just focused in my business and on production, or do I want to grow it into, be, into something different? And right now I have uh, two and a half agents to say I have two full-time, one part-time three rock solid agents. And this year we're really uh, for our, our, I didn't do a personal business plan this year. I just did a team business plan and we had five kind of avenues of success. And that Mm -hmm. was through our own database, through um, lead generation, through successful open houses, through social media, and through recruiting. And so We've met and come up with a plan of. I'm happy to talk talk through more of it, although it may be too much too much detail. Talk through a plan of this is what the you know the current level of service. These are the, the expectations of the agents, and this is what we as a team are going to do to you know elevate and improve you know elevate your performance and and improve your chances of success. So that's just been very very rewarding. Even 25 days in now to the to the new year to Be implementing and, and seeing kind of the new new energy in the agents, and we're gearing up for a very, very good year. So sure. I think not sure know, if that answered the question or not. You did. I'm gonna get more granular. So I think that's all broad right.
1: strokes. Let's go. The key point, I'm actually gonna write this down. I haven't heard you say this before previously of all the conversations we've had, but automate, delegate, eliminate.
2: That's it. It's that, that is not mine. Uh I, I, I tell my team all the time, I've never had an original thought in my life my best ideas are stolen. The, the, the joke R and D is, is rip off and duplicate. Right. So I have um, yeah, all of my systems, the ideas have come from somewhere else. It may not, maybe not from real estate, maybe, maybe from sales or, or maybe from some other form of, you know, study or psychology what have you. Uh, but that one, I literally have um, a little sticky note here, which says that automate delegate eliminate, you know, constantly reminding myself, so, so if you, if you, you know, can- or, or someone's or, like, or as a business owner, it's the idea. If you, if you, if you do something twice, write it down.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. I've heard that. And then from the Marine Corps, we have, again, teaching machine gunnery, what is a task condition standard? The task is to engage these targets at this range. What's the condition, you know, wearing your, your, uh, you know, full uh, battle armor. Uh, and with, with these radios and this, in this communication, the standard is to, you know, close with and, hit this number of targets in this amount of time, et cetera. There's a task condition and standard. So everything that I do, we just do a task condition and standard for that.
1: So let's do this. Let's do this. Let's go and separate two sides of the business between production and then team building. So we'll start off with production. Okay. Automate, delegate, eliminate. How do you get started with all of that? What what are you automating? Then how do you eliminate it, uh,
2: delegate it, and then how do you eliminate it? So if you... Are a, an agent. And we'll, we'll, do, we'll do just buyers for now. A typical life cycle in the, you know, the phases that I would use are the lead generation, which is getting someone to raise their hand and say, I might be interested in buying the house, the lead conversion, which is persuading them to work with you, searching for a house, uh clarifying or submitting an offer, negotiations, transaction management. And then follow up afterwards, because obviously you want repeat business, you want referral business. So I break it down into those phases and you can combine some of those phases, or split them up into others and then go and say, take one of them lead generation. How do you generate leads? Write down all the different ideas. And, you know, one of those might be social media, which I think is a, not a great form of lead generation, but it is what it is. Within that, keep getting more and more granular. What am I actually doing with Facebook posts? Right. How often should I post them? No matter how much time you're spending on social media, you're probably spending too much time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So what is the right amount of time to spend there? What is, what is the task? The task is maybe to, to do uh, five posts a week. What is the what is the standard with condition we wouldn't necessarily apply, but what is the standard? The standard might be uh, to communicate a certain message, a message of gratitude or a message of adding value. Uh, maybe the standard is also having fun, you know, some call to action, like DM me for more information or to end with a question of saying, what are you grateful? You know, this is something I'm grateful for. What are you grateful for? It could be a form of capture in terms of linking to your website. And then maybe your website has a sign-in form to get information that way. So it, it may vary, uh, substantially. And then how often do you want to post? What's the best time to post? How long should the average post be? How many, how many, um, hashtags should I have? Can you can learn more and more and and constantly refine it? The most important thing to do is get something out there.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. So just get something out there. And then over time, if each day you're making 1% better, you are thousands, you know, percent more efficient at it by the end of the year. But then you're constantly evaluating how can I do this better? Yeah. And you may have great ideas for lead generation of it. I want to have a happy hour. Okay. So now you're talking about spending money. Do you have the money for it?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: But I would do that for each, you know, lead generation. What is, where, where is your your source actually coming from? Maybe it's from your database. Okay, great. What are the tasks I need to maximize from my database? Maybe it's just staying in communication with them. Okay, what's a good system to communicate? That would be through my CRM. Now within the CRM, what are, either are should I be using action plans? Should I be using drips? Should I just make a note of how often I talk to the person, make a goal of talking to them every X number of weeks? Right, so... I went through and answered all those questions and you are constantly improving them. You, you are never done, you are always editing and improving. And a lot of it, again, can you automate it? Uh, I may go and and after three months, a, a client sells a property, sorry, a client purchases a property, after three months, I'm gonna go and send them an email saying, hey, it's, can you believe it's been three months since you purchased this house? It's time to change your air filters. Let me know if you need help with that. Send. If you send an email more than once, that email should be in a template. So you're cutting and pasting it. And that's helping with the automation. You could also literally set it up with this automation where the email goes out without you doing anything, which would be an improvement. And then how do you improve upon that automation? Perhaps you go and and look it up and say, okay, your filter is a, a 20 by 20. Here's a link to purchase them at Amazon. And you know they're 20 by 20. Why? Because you found that out at the home inspection or maybe during the walkthrough when you pointed out to them where the air filter was. And so you could go and maybe it's not an automation, but maybe at settlement, you go and draft that email. Right. It'd be sent in 90 days. And then they get a, a tailored email to them with the exact size and, and a link to order. So part of it is, is automating to, to increase that work, but you're always you know trying to add more value. And then at some point, you could also go and delegate that. Which is to say, could that be done by an assistant? Could that be done by a virtual assistant? And that comes to kind of joining, you know, growing the team. But that could be a great next step once you have a certain level of production. When you start, unless you're part of a team that's doing part of that for you, you're you're wearing all of those hats. And then the last thing is is elimination. If you look at what you do every single day, you might feel very, very busy. And most of that is a colossal waste of your time. Yeah. So at the end of the day, your business is, is no further along to success than when you started. Because a lot of what you, you do simply could be eliminated. Or, you know, for a blog, sign up for some blog writing service. And now everyone's going to use ChatGPT, but you can sign up for some blog writing service and you can delegate that instead of eliminating it. Or you might say, you know what, blog is really not, not yeah. what I need for... My lead generation, I don't need to stay top of mind with clients. I can simply eliminate this and I, I free up my my day. What? There's a great book by, I'm kind of getting off a tangent here, but there's a great book by Gary Keller called The One Thing. And the okay. first time I read it, I'm like, I don't get what the point of this is. You are, you have it right there in front of you? There you go. Right there. Um, I'm watching. Yeah. So the first time I read that, I had, I was like, I don't get the point of this is like work on what's important. Thanks, Gary. I didn't need 150 pages to tell me this. Right. And last year um, I'd say last summer, perhaps I had texted my business partners at eXp, all of whom are mega successful agents. And I said, best book on real estate sales. Go. What do you got? (laughs) One of them actually responded with a book on real estate. The others didn't. And two of them had responded back with that book. I'm sorry, one of them with, with that book, uh, the one thing, and two of them with a book called atomic habits and in reverse order, atomic habits is simply uh, you don't rise to the level of your ambitions. You fall to the level of your processes. And the goal is to go, and if you can take a process and improve it 1% and be consistent, you know, 1% a day, 1% a week, 1% a month, and just be consistent, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. And that's intuitively what I think I've done with my, with my business. And I'm, I'm, I think I have a lot of success because of that, that mindset. But I remember um his name is Jimmy Rex, he's the number one agent in the state of Utah. He's kind of my direct sponsor in the company. And I'm like, Jimmy's like very, very successful. And this one thing is his book. So I went back and reread it just out of respect for him. And it kind of blew my mind because what I would do is I would go and look on my to-do list for the day and I'd have 40 things, I would get 20 of them done, and I'd feel like, wow, this is so productive. Right. But if I didn't get the most important thing done, the day was a waste. So now I'll go, and it might not be one thing, it might be three things. And it's not necessarily, you know from, you know, something in my business today, although it might be. A lot of times it's things that are, you know, I'm working on my business and it's more of like a a, a uh, midterm growth type objective.
1: So a to-do list doesn't cut it, Write The to-do list, but then read back through it and then pick the one thing out of that to-do list that's your priority, highest
2: priority. To yes, move. that you have to get done. Have to. Time block it. Yep. Right? Put, put down your calendar, turn off your, your dang phone, turn off social media and focus on that. Unless, of course, it is that one thing is maybe a, a phone conversation. Right. And a lot of the rest of the list, uh, again, what can you automate? What can you delegate? What can you eliminate? Uh, I've told my team number of times that you guys feel busy. Great. What I want you to do is write down every single thing. You've heard me say this, yeah. write down every single thing you want to do today, write down a piece of paper, write today, and then list everything. And when you're done, cross out today, write tomorrow. And guess what? You just freed up eight hours of your time. Okay. Because a lot of what you're working on is not that one thing. It can wait till tomorrow or honestly, it doesn't need to wait at all. Maybe right. you can automate it through software. Maybe you can, you can spend some time. Uh, we went and had many, many agents do this. It's kind of like a, like a, a market uh snapshot monthly snapshot that goes out to our farm so here are the 10 most recent sales in the zip code it is very very time consuming to go and sit there and cut and paste that or to to type it out and you have the risk of typos so we went and just took some time and figured out an integration where you can take it from a google sheet directly into InDesign, and now we can crank the things out in five minutes each when before maybe took 45 minutes each so for I'm the, doing that, my assistant's doing it. So it's zero time for me, only five minutes for him.
1: So for the automate, delegate, eliminate, if we're talking specifically lead generation, first of all, we have the life cycle of a transaction. And then we're starting off at lead generation. There's automate delegate eliminate within each part of that life cycle. Right now we're starting at lead gen. So what I'm hearing is A B test, find something that works. If it works once, will it work again? Probably. <laughs> continually refine that process, put a number to that process so you have targets and expectations. If you don't have a target and expectations, then you can't delegate it out because they don't know the person or whatever, you know, if you can put an automation to it or a person. That's the two ways to delegate it. I'm I'm hearing is you either use technology or you leverage out a person hire or commission, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Um, But take something that's replicable build a process and a system behind it, which is the delegating piece. Right. So find what works, put the technology to it, or put a person to it, repeat it, test it, test something else, and keep refining that process. How do you go from that to eliminate?
2: Uh, you, or is you
1: that know, elimination, you well, know?
2: No, no, so eliminate is, this is no longer part of our plan.
1: Okay, I'm so i right, so, right, I'm, 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 I'm spending so an
2: hour, right, I'm spending an hour a day writing a blog. Yeah can I go and sign up for Keeping Current Matters? We'll just go and for, I think it's 25 bucks a month, post to my website and post to Facebook. And I've completely automated that task. Or can I delegate it and just say, Pete, who's my assistant, Godspeed, let me know what you need. (laughs) Good luck. Or do I eliminate and say, this is not actually part of my business. It's not worth my time. It's not worth Pete's time. It's not worth my money. It's it's, It's just not necessary. Yeah. The... You May go and be doing client events and you may find that 80% of your clients, this is the preto principle, 80% of your clients that come through events come through 20% of the events. Get rid of the other the other 80%, get rid of the other four events. Yeah. And, and maybe you have that one good event, maybe you maybe have that twice throughout the year. Mm-hmm. But you, you don't need you don't need the others. I, I do two client events, that's it. I've thought about doing a third, but if ultimately if it doesn't fit into my business, I don't, I don't need to do it. My business would be stronger if I didn't do it because it takes away time and resources that could be applied to, to where my business is actually growing.
1: So is this the piece where you're kind of coming from working in the business to on the business? This is a hard transition for a lot of people is going from in to working on your business. Mm-hmm. There's one big difference between working in and working on is you're testing, you're trying everything out, you're delegating it. But you don't know whether it's, you should eliminate it or not if you're not tracking all the KPIs, which is key performance indicators, exactly. how it's performing itself. Exactly. So you go from kind of, I'm working, doing all the lead generation. I'm starting to delegate it all out. But it, that could be a complete mess if I don't know what's working versus what's not working. Mm-hmm. So now my new role is once I've got this delegated out, I'm working on my business should I eliminate it or should I keep it and refine it by tracking all the numbers, the KPIs, the performances of everything, and then going back to your team or back into the technology and refining things. Mm-hmm. So would you say, would you say that's, or oh, what am I missing here? That's a key piece going from in to working on the business.
2: I don't think you're missing anything. It has to be done purposefully though, which yes. is to say, when do you start? What is, what is the standard? Which is to say, how will I know when I've accomplished this? And how I evaluate it later. Okay, so, right. so the the client event is not just did the event go off without you know someone dying, right? Uh did the event it go didn't... off without me embarrassing myself? Right. Uh the event is did I have the meaningful conversations? Am I able to uh trace any business referrals from that event?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And sometimes you won't know. Uh I have a listing coming up here about a block from me here at Mount Pleasant. And I don't know exactly how he learned of me. It could have been from seeing sales in the neighborhood. It could have been from uh, postcards. It could have been through, it wasn't word of mouth. Um, so it's hard to go and say, it's one thing like, oh, thank goodness I sent those postcards because I'm not sure it was it. Maybe it was just he saw my first sale sign across the street and, and wrote it down and, and gave me a chance to, to compete for the business. So you can't always tie things back to... of my business is from postcards, 30% from client events, 20% from this. Right. But you have to go and say, cohesively, does this work?
0: Right.
2: Right. Or I'm doing all of this lead generation and networking. My database is centered in Washington, D.C. That's where my future listings are. Do I need to be trying to grow production in Northern Virginia? Do I need to be doing it in Montgomery County? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. Maybe you have an agent that lives there and part of your business plan is really setting him up for success or her up for success by growing the brand, knowing that you know, he or she will be the point person for you. So maybe it will work, but you can't be all things at all times and all places to all people. Yeah. So a lot of it is simply, what do I need to eliminate? The Again, I told you I have uh, a background in economics. Economics has nothing to do with finances, nothing to do with money. Economics is simply how does a nation or an organization or person or business, how do they use scarce resources that have alternative uses, and everything we do—from the amount of money we have for marketing, to you know, so so for funds to time to energy—all of that has is limited, and it all has alternative uses. Anybody better off going to a baseball game with clients where I can't really talk to them that much, uh, or am I better meeting them one-on-one for coffee? Or instead of meeting for coffee, am I better doing an equity equity review for them? Where it's it's a lot more quality time one on one. And some agents will do very well with with client events like happy hours. Some agents do very well with you know family events or uh, Easter egg hunts or um, hmm. right. Kentucky Derby parties. A friend of mine does one of those. Don't try everything. Look at your plan and say what is going to give me the most most bang most bang for my buck knowing that again, you have scarce resources that have alternative uses.
1: That's another good point that you could even do. You could even checklist this. What are your scarce resources? Time, money, people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Where is that best allocated to? Mm -hmm. Is it, and then you could put that time into lead generation and say, okay, I have these three things that I'm gonna A, B test. We're gonna run it. We're gonna try it. I'm gonna delegate it out. I'm gonna see if one of the three or two of the three or all three should be eliminated. What's the best, what should be kept? You could do that for money as well. And you could break it down that way and get to a funnel of, okay, this is my business here. I'm going to replicate this. And this is what's going to explode my growth, Mm -hmm. which kind of goes back to then 1% increase in this system over time.
2: So when you get, when you get to say investing, right. You know, 10, 10 times, 10 times, 10 times zero is zero. Right. The when you think about like, like in that you have you know four different five different factors in that equation, you have to address the zero, nothing else matters. So if you look at it as a business and saying, okay, I'm focused on this lead gen, great, you you've identified the leads now. What you have to convert them? What is your value add to have them work with you? What is your presentation? What is the style? How do you communicate that? And we could talk about that for, for three or four hours without without scratching the surface. Right. And so that's another piece of looking at your business and say, where in this life cycle are, are, we, are we missing? Because you may go, if, if you have a client that put in 10 offers on a property, I will show you a very bad agent. Because that agent either does not know how to submit a strong offer mm-hmm. or has a, a buyer that is absolutely unwilling to submit a strong offer, in which case that agent owes it to themselves to drop that buyer. That's Probably the former though. Okay. That, that agent hasn't learned enough about clarifying objections and, and persuading them. This is a winning offer. This is why it's in your base interest, in your best interest, based on the interest you shared with me. Right. So if you go and look at, at that, that, uh, life cycle, if you give me a thousand leads and I convert 10% of them, and then, uh, 90% of them, I show houses, etc., etc. And there's one, I, only 5% of my office are accepted. If you get that 5% to 10, which is still not a very good record, you didn't increase it by 5%. You increased it by a hundred percent. Doubled, yep. You doubled it. Your business will double if you can just become better at, at um, submitting offers, right? And it, maybe that's not done by you. Maybe it's done by a partnership. Right? Maybe at that point you, you bring in a business partner who who can meet with that client and really break down what a strong offer is, or maybe you are not very good about determining what a winning offer is. Maybe right. you need to go back and revisit your comps and revision, revisit your negotiation strategies because maybe you're concluding this this condo is worth seven hundred thousand when I would look at the exact same numbers and say no, seven forty is the winning offer. Yeah. So that's also I think a very important component of the business is what are my weaknesses. And for that weakness, you either have to improve your skill or you, it's almost impossible to bypass. So you have to improve your skill or outsource it.
1: Yep. So let, let's do this. Let, let's get a little bit even more granular with this is you keep all this knowledge. You keep everything that you know right now, but I drop you, take everything away from you except for your knowledge. And I drop you in, let's say Oklahoma City. Okay what is, how do you get as quickly as possible to where you are now in Oklahoma City? Let's say all of the variables are created equal to where you are right now. So what's the the first thing that's, how do you get deals? How, and then through to scale and back up to where you are now.
2: Okay, so I've actually thought about this a lot because my wife is a lawyer and we've had the conversation if she were to be offered an amazing position, too good to turn down in Oklahoma City, would I be willing to pick up my business and go? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. What I would do with my knowledge, my skill set, is I would do a handful of things. In, in a way, it's kind of my five plans for success for my agency this year. One is I'm a big proponent of what's called ninja selling. I actually do ninja selling light. I've I made a couple of modifications to it, but it's essentially your greatest. The goal is to have agents. Increase their pay per hour so that they can have a life. A lot of it's the elimination of getting rid of things that aren't productive, but it's very much about using your your network and your and your database. So I would spend a lot of time trying. I would stay in touch with my with my DC database because that's referral business. But I would spend a lot of time trying to grow my sphere, my network in Oklahoma City. And it might maybe I need a dog walker. I'm going to befriend the dog walker. I need to go find a barber shop. I need to go find this. I need to find that. And really make the effort of befriending those people and getting to know them and slowly kind of growing my sphere. I will want to meet all of my wife's co-workers and have them all over for dinner, uh, or coffee, lunch, happy hour, brunch, what, what have you. But I would look the goal of maybe adding three to four people per week to my sphere within Oklahoma City while still maintaining contact with all the folks I know back here. So
1: I that that's that's what's the actual conversation that you're having? So you're getting into, I'm gonna go even deeper here you get you you start dog walking or you start say coaching a team you know it's a great way I I coach soccer I haven't in a long time but I get to meet all the parents and I'll do two teams so I can get to meet more parents and then I can meet opposing teams parents and so on and so forth at training then I meet the other kids and the other kids parents right but what what is the actual tangible conversation follow-up how do you get to the point of getting that person from just a friend to
2: actually a client don't try and sell them first of all so if i if i'm working the sidelines at the at the soccer game i don't want to say hey jimmy we thought about buying or selling a house i'd love to work with you and it sounds way too salesy and he, jim's like hey i'm here focusing on my kid's soccer game right so it's just striking up a conversation and talking to them about about their life jim what do you do for work oh great they will naturally oh, is this your only kid you know how was that vacation last week? Uh, how's your mother doing? I know she's not doing well. It's just simply getting to know the person, taking an interest in who they are and mm-hmm. building that relationship with them. They will eventually ask you, what do you do for work? Or how's the market? The most common question the agents are asked. And as long as you are friends with them, when you call, you develop in this relationship, whether you know it or not, you are rising to be top of mind for them for real estate agents. So it's not necessarily a question at all about the market to the fact that if they wanted to say how's the market i would deflect and say well what, what have you heard right. if i could speak about it confidently maybe i would but i would i would be very very careful to keep it short
1: mm-hmm.
2: and say oh the market's good right now it's a correction very good time to be a buyer uh and many of the um it's a very good time to be a buyer with although rates are higher you know you finally have a little bit more leverage uh, but also like houses are still selling so I mean, with the right strategy the right house will sell period done that's it right wait and see how they they respond they may very well say yeah i'm thinking about selling you're not going to convince them to sell with you then but you've made a note to yourself make sure you follow up with jim in in two weeks and then that may be a call of jim when we spoke at the south game the other day you you said you might be thinking about selling are you free to meet for coffee i'd love to kind of chat with you and see if if maybe we could be of service something very open-ended like that
1: so the call to action comes into play when they've expressed first of all it's striking up a relationship. Second right. of all is you kind of waiting for them to take the lead and elicit. Well, hey, what do you do? Hey, or if they already do know, it's, you know, how's the market mm-hmm. from that point in time, it's you waiting for them to, you know, you continue in the relationship, right. but to take up some sort of interest in actually buying or selling themselves
2: mm-hmm. at that point in time, then comes the call to action. Right. You may luck out. In uh, the same way that I do with my very first buyer, you may look out where the person says, "Hey, great timing! I'm thinking about buying." Right. But that buyer also knew, liked, and trusted me. Right. Right. We were in, we were in studies together. He knew I was a good student. He knew I was uh, had an interest in real estate. I don't know if he would have responded to a cold call the same way by saying, "You know, hey stranger, you are in luck. You know, very good timing." Right. So I would, in that local network, really, really try to develop. In, in that local market, really, really try to develop a network and, and do it slow and go for quality over quantity.
1: I have a tough you know, question. If,
2: if you, if you have kids, like by all means, like you go to the PTA. Yeah. Go t- to the, don't go and get your, your tree from Whole Foods. Go to the local elementary school. That's having a Christmas tree fundraiser. Yeah. You know, buy cookies off every single Girl Scout, you kind of, you know, you, you pass on the street.
1: Because, not um, Because the cookies are good. Right.
2: Uh, and they are good, but the, <laughs> again, you're not there to talk to the kids. You're there to talk to the right, parents right, right. and, and, and see where it can go. So that's the first thing I do. The second thing it might be, and that we, we can put more as almost like lead attraction. The other one might be, what can we do to generate leads? Before you, you jump into that, can
1: I, can I, let, that? Me, let me just pause. You yeah, have one other question on that right. sphere. How do you delegate that? You don't. You can't.
2: Um, the, the meaningful conversations have to come from you. Yeah. If you are also staying in touch with them by sending a monthly market report or what in the ninja world they call auto flow, that can be delegated. And you can right. do that to an assistant, or there are a number of companies that just will send a postcard or two, two per month. If you're doing an equity review with them, then that the, the paperwork behind it might be one that you can delegate, and then you'll just take that finished report and go and meet with them and deliver it and talk them through it. If anyone, I did- actually don't like. I don't like to delegate those. Those I actually like to do.
1: For anyone that doesn't know, what, what's an equity review?
2: An equity review is once a year on or around the anniversary of a purchase, I will go and meet with a homeowner and say, this is what I think your house is currently worth. It's not really an appraisal, mm-hmm. uh, but the we're talking through what the house is worth. From there, there's going to be a whole host of other ways that I can add value. One of them is we can talk about refinancing. In this market, no, but pre-2022, you can talk about possibly refinancing. Maybe they want to get a home equity loan or a cash out refinance. Maybe we'll review property taxes. Maybe their taxes are too high. We have instructions for each jurisdiction on how to to challenge those. Maybe the person in D.C., for instance, solar panels are an absolute no-brainer. If you're listening to this or watching this, you're in D.C., you should have solar panels on your home. I'll explain why later. So it may be the encouragement to get solar panels because they pay for themselves in a few years. Again, no brainer. It could be an introduction to my friend, Jesse, who, who uh, is in the solar industry. They may also go and say, hey, I'm thinking about redoing the kitchen. Great, here is a contractor or a designer, what have you. So there, there are innumerable ways that I can add value to that conversation.
1: So an equity review is essentially a home valuation. I like the I like the semantics of equity review. I think it sounds way better. But that's more a case of- Not a, my idea. I
2: stole it from somebody else. Really?
1: I, I love that. I love that. See, there's always things you can take away. Um, That's kind of a foot in the door. That's the purpose. But really what you're saying is, what what other pieces of value can I provide to stay in front
2: of you? I also, I want that quality time with them. Yeah. I will go in for these. I will schedule two hours. I spoke to a good friend of mine who's a top agent up in Baltimore. He's like, two hours? He's like, I'm in and out in 10 minutes, 15 minutes he was looking for efficiency that's his model maybe it works for mine is like, i want that quality time we will sit there you know they may take give me a tour of the house and show me what, what their renovations or hey look this is how we decorate the nursery and then you start talking about you know their children what have you it is wonderful quality time and after a while you're like i'm 45 minutes in okay should we talk about uh, your home yes then i'll open it up and walk them through that review an important thing that i will always try to do is when i finish one conversation i'm looking for the purpose of the next call within this one. Yeah. So I may go, we talk about solar panels. I will go and send you an intro to my friend, Jesse. I'll be following up in a month to say, hey, Dominic, were you able to connect with Jesse? How'd it go? Great.
1: Yeah.
2: And then you may go and say, we are having panels installed in in May. Awesome, I'm putting in my CRM, follow up in mid-May. And say, Dominic, how do the solar panels go? I remember you saying they're going to be installed in in May. Yeah. And so each conversation, in a way, not always, but you're you're well, you're always looking for the reason for the next call embedded in this call. They will say something. I'm going to the beach this weekend, or I'm, yeah. uh, my mother is sick, or you, you, you know, things both good and bad that give you a reason to kind of follow up in a very non-salesy way. Right. So that part can't be. Uh, can't be automated, or can't be delegated, but it may also be that you want to send out gifts to your 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 database. That part, hundred percent, could be could be delegated or or automated. The
1: personal touch so, piece can't really be delegated, but the framework around the personal touch can be. Right,
2: because if they just want to know how much equity is in their house, I don't I don't think they're that accurate. Go to Zillow or or Redfin, and you'll Redfin. you know innumerable websites will give you a in a free automated home value. What I want to do is sit, sit down and talk through. And this is why this piece I don't like to delegate is because I want to actually go through it takes me about a half hour start to finish to do one of these reports. And I want to go through in detail and say what's selling, what's not selling. Yeah. You know, and when I talk to them, I want to I want them to know that this is not just an automated report. I print it off and hand it to them. I spend some time going through this and hear what I think the important things you need to know about your home value you know, are things in the neighborhood selling at what price point, what's moving, what's not. And what I found is I, I have one, somewhere over there. Actually I just did, uh, that I will go and I'll sit in this slavish group branded folder and I'll open it up and you see them kind of leaning forward over the table. Like what, what's he got here? Yep. And I'll go and I'll walk through the purchase price, the, their initial, uh, uh, interest rates, uh, home characteristics, current property taxes, uh, and then home value, kind of in that order. Yeah.
1: I think that I kind of want to move on. I think we should do a part two or follow up another interview because we could talk about this lead generation dropping you into a, an area and starting up a business there. I'd actually love to make that a TV show. Let's drop Ed into somewhere and grow a business. But um, yeah, it'll be watched by dozens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the people that do watch, they're going to get a ton of value. So, you know, that's, that's really what it comes down to. But um,
2: The first thing that I would build that network, the second thing, though, is do you join a team, even though you're not, you know, even though I was a team leader is what's best for my business to go and, and join a team there. And that team may provide lead generation. So for our team, my agents don't do any cold calling. We as the staff do all the cold calling and book them appointments. And so they can work their own database, and then we will go and book them additional appointments from our oftentimes paid lead generation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I may decide that, and this is kind of our second funnel for our agent success, our second column, is do I go and join a team that can provide me with proven lead generation in Oklahoma City? Or can I graft some of my processes from DC onto a business there and begin that for, you know, for lead generation? Uh, but for many agents, that they don't have those systems, then you, you may want to consider joining a team until your database is of a sufficient size to attract business that can sustain you. You may want to join a team that can can help you you know, grow your sales funnel in this new location faster.
1: That kind of dovetails onto my next question here, which is what's the value that you can provide that most or other people
2: can't provide? Well, there are a lot of very good. Agents out there, so I I don't think this is unique just to me. Um, there are a lot of agents I think that, that provide better support uh, or better guidance. I'll say that. What I would say for agents to do is look to get support for a weakness in your business. If you're not good at lead gen, find a team that will generate leads for you, right? If you're if you're not good at getting listings, but you want to have open houses as part of your your business, then find a team or find a brokerage that can give you open house open house support. Uh, Look to address your weaknesses, not to uh, necessarily heighten your strengths. What we provide for our agents, a lot of it is the systems and processes. So we take, again, what I call Ninja Selling Light or your own database. And these are what we found to be best practices for maximizing that, increasing your pay per hour. Mm -hmm. Secondly, we will go and provide you at cost to us, at no cost to the agent. We'll go and provide you... Uh, the requirements for it. There are certain things you have to do in terms of keeping your schedule and, and doing the required follow-up and, and, and the, the, say the the right buyer presentation. But we will go and actually just literally book you appointments. And so we, we will generate the leads, book you the appointment. It's your job using, again, our systems and processes to go and convert that buyer to get them to work with you. Yeah. And then we will also have you work our open houses and give you the systems and processes for what we think is the most effective follow-up after that open house. So those are the three main components, and then uh, we also do offer some uh, social media support beyond just kind of following. Uh, we have a virtual assistant that does some some posting for us. So each of our the agents on our team have their own you know, real estate website, and so we can go and actually have our, our V A our virtual assistant log into the others' accounts and just do posts for them. And they are personalized posts. Again, they they need to add their own content. You know their own. Uh, uh, yeah, because the, there's their own their own content to it, but we will go and provide additional uh, support to them. And then the last piece being with recruiting, which kind of goes back to like an exp exclusive thing. We will go and help them recruit with providing our time and resources uh, and money to allow them to network to other agents and, and share the exp model because it's very very lucrative if you if you do it well. So. That's that's it in a nutshell. Again, I can talk about each of those for for hours more, but... Yeah, yeah. So
1: based on everything that you've said, there, this this is everything that the value kind of you have, EXP has, and your goals within EXP for your team. So what's your vision for 2023? And how do you get to achieve in that vision?
2: So we have... um... We have goals in, uh, sorry, I had to respond to a quick text there. We have team goals. Um, I have goals for both my personal production and for the team. And if all goes well, my personal, so, so then there's a, 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 a sum total. If all goes well, my personal production will not meet its goal, but my the sum total will exceed it because that means my team has succeeded and picked up the slack for me, which is actually where I want to be as a business owner. How do we get there? It's by, in a way, doing everything we've said, which is to say, let's go back and look through this, this life cycle of a buyer. We are doing the lead generation. They're doing the lead attraction. We can go and separate and say, how do we go and improve our lead generation and then how can they go and improve their lead attraction? So we'll break it down in components and go through, this is what the phone call should be like. Here are some ideas of, of good follow-on calls and ways, ways of adding value. Here are um, Here's a proper way to use the CRM so you can keep track of the relationships, the milestones of the person's life, how you can stay in better touch, and again, do that more seamlessly so it's not a labor-inducive task to stay in touch. Now we can go through the buyer presentation. I mean, you're meeting with the person. Let's go through this in greater detail. And how do we improve this 1%, 2%, 5%, 10%? Again, maybe that's a major weakness in the person's business. And if I can go and improve their buyer presentation, their business maybe will triple because it went from a 2% conversion to a 6% conversion. And imagine if you can get that person up to a 60, 75% conversion, which is where I think a lot of top agents, uh, you know, a lot of agents can easily get. Yep. And we're going through, so we have a weekly training event, uh, training meeting every Monday. It covers eight topics and we kind of rotate through those. Then we have a sales meeting every Wednesday and we uh, will cover both the listings. What do we have coming up? How do we sell these properties? How do we use these as carers to attract new buyers or to retain our, our current uh, clients and then say who has buyers that have unmet needs and talk about them as a team. And it's really it goes back to that life cycle. How do we improve our support of the agents and the performance of the agents at each piece of that, you know, each phase of that that life cycle?
1: Right. So, so the vision, the overall vision for 2023 is to support your team as much as possible to exceed the overall goal of your business. Where essentially your sacrifice in your own production to make sure that your people uh, are
2: excelling yeah most buyer leads I I don't take most buyer leads will go directly to my team the buyer leads I now take might be uh, someone I met at an open house because I do still occasionally work open houses or they might be a referral from my database so a college buddy wants to buy a house I'll still take that lead a friend of a good friend Wants to buy a house, I'll still take that lead. But for the most part, the leads we generate as a team go to my agents. That's their support. That's their their, uh, jet fuel. But at the beginning of the year, I'm very careful to sit down with them and say, what are your goals? And okay, you want to sell 24 houses a year. Those 24 houses are coming from your own uh, uh, lead attraction, your own database, and they're coming from your own open house efforts. None of those are coming from me. How about someone- Your goal is to get 24. And then if I go and can, can generate enough leads to give you, let's say 36 extra leads this year, and you close a third of those, that 12 does not go towards your 24. You tell me your, re- your reasonable goal is 24, two deals a month, which I think is a very respectable right. production for an agent. Now as a team, let's get you to 36.
1: How about a seasoned agent or a seasoned veteran in the market that's been doing it, say say that's on par with Edward Slavis? What value can you provide to that person to be like, okay, I want to work with Ed?
2: To be honest, they may come onto the team and, and, and a lot of top agents outgrow their teams.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So so it may not be a good fit. Um, But what I would say here is we'd still provide outstanding, I think, instruction and guidance. We'd still provide, we cover a lot of the costs for the agents, which is one of the equations in, in terms of calculating one's one's income. Uh, we still have a lot of lead generation. We have a lot of great open house opportunities. We have, I think, overall great support to uh, to agents, especially if the agent doesn't wanna do any lead generation other than, again, calling their own database, which are people that, they all, you know, that already know, like, and trust them or working open houses. And they don't have to work open houses. Uh, I think it's just a, a very, very good source and most agents, I agree with that.
1: I guess what what if they were planning on like trying to get out of the business?
2: Oh, they, with with so the only thing you can do to get out of the business, you kind of have three options. One, do you actually have a business or are you in the business? Yeah. So if you have a business, which say you have a production team, you can go and hire someone to manage it. And you can't retire fully, but you have, you know, you're you're, you're the plumber that owns. You know the, the 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 actual business under which you have ten plumbers working. Right. You can retire from that and have somebody take over the business. Most people don't have that. Most agents are the business. So the, the only option they have for really retiring is to find a partner and give them the book of business. So I bring you on as my agent. I give you my Rolodex of, or I guess we say database now, of these hundred past clients, and we have an agreement. Uh, hopefully signed. Let's say, if you close anybody on this list now and forever, you give me a 25% referral. And then that person has to choose their Dominic very carefully because if Dominic gets out of the business or Dominic just doesn't, doesn't produce or what have you, Dominic moves to Oklahoma city. uh, You could be in trouble. So choose that person very, very wisely. One of the things I like about EXP is again, it allows you to build a business within a business. So, you can go and bring people into the company, earn a revenue share off of their production and earn passive income. So hopefully in, in 10 years, I will have a business, maybe 15 years, 20 years. I, I love this. So I'm not dying to, you know, I'm not itching to, to retire, but maybe I have a production team that someone else can, can run. And maybe at that point, I have a 10,000 person organization beneath me at eXp. That is incredibly lucrative, you know, of its own right. And now I also have a diversity because I have two income streams coming from one from production, of which I am not actively producing, and one coming from that that uh, passive income revenue share.
1: And that's a blueprint that could be provided to a high level agent that's also at where you're at and wants to do kind of the same thing. I want to get out the business, but how do I do that?
2: Right. If if, if a high production agent we're listening to this. I would say they shouldn't, quote unquote, join my team. I'd love to have them join the organi- our EXP organization. I would gladly share with them exactly what I'm doing uh, of growing the production team and trying to kind of get out of production and how we're supporting our, our processes and systems and all that, many of which I'm sure they already have, and perhaps theirs is better than mine. So it's also beneficial for me because I, I will certainly learn a lot from them as well. Uh, but we'd share best practices on that. And then I would, I would show them and help them build their own organization undermine within within the EXP framework. Uh, again, I, I think it's we can talk about this if you like, but I think it's the future of real estate. And I I'm not one for regrets, uh, but I I do I, I do wish I had started exp six years prior instead of yeah. instead of what I did. So
1: I'm going to give you, just to wrap up, I'm going to give you two or three quick fire questions. Just one, right. one answers, one word answers. Okay. Best real estate book. Uh, it's not one word. What's your, what's your one best real estate book? Um,
2: for an agent, I would have to say Ninja Selling. What's
1: a system, technology or process that you can't live without?
2: To Doist. It is a a to uh, a to do list software checklist system that we use for all of our processes. To Gotcha.
1: That's all I have right now. I I should I should have came a little bit more prepared. I had two or three other questions, but they've lost me. I do need to get down to DC at some point because I know you do sure. those those roasts. Is it is it a roast or a barbecue that you do, you host? That I just oh a uh,
2: uh, meat fest.
1: A yeah, meat fest.
2: Yep. You yeah, do that do, do that every fall. That, that that's that's actually one of our, i i don't actually call it a client event i i refer to it the first time here because most pe- people i'm invited actually just my friends uh but many of our 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 current and past clients get the invite as well but we fire up a uh, obnoxiously large brick argentine style grill wood fired and cook uh i don't know 100 pounds of meat on it over the course of eight hours so it's a good good family affair
1: i love it so how do people get in contact with ed slavis how do they reach you? How do they follow you? Um, you know, how, how do they find you?
2: Um, oh, we could uh, put it. We could face, put it. In face, Facebook, Instagram. The handles are are all either at Edward Slavis or at the Slavis Group. I'm sorry, at Slavis Group, not the Slavis Group. At Slavis Group. We are not on TikTok. I'm also very easy to find on uh, on LinkedIn. To search for search for Slavis, there are not there aren't many of us out there.
1: There we go. All right. Well, thanks for getting on. I'd appreciate your time. I I really do think there's a lot of nuggets in here. I think anybody watching or listening should go through this two or three times because there's a lot of nuggets in here. Uh, And
2: I'd love to get you back
1: on sometime soon.
2: Let me know when. It was a pleasure pleasure speaking with you and get down to DC soon. All right. Thanks, Ed. Yep. Take care. Bye. Bye.